Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast today, a uh, podcast of Pastor Christian Newsom and a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan, and as always, I'm honored to get to host the podcast. We start a new series called The Way of Jesus recently, and been studying the book of Matthew uh, every week, looking at the teachings of Jesus and, and what are known as the Beatitudes. And this week, uh, we're looking at a, um, a message called The Reality and Results of Righteousness. And we've got this series premise. Uh, every week, we're, we're learning the ways of Jesus so we can live life like Jesus as followers of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Christian, as we as we jump in, at the beginning of the message, you tell us to say two things kind of out loud. You tell us to say Jesus, and then secondly, um, we are, we're to say this won't be easy. And you go on to quote, uh, quote this great quote from Oswald Chambers from his great devotional. Uh, the Beatitudes initially seem to be merely soothing and beautiful precepts, yet we must decide whether or not we will accept tremendous spiritual upheaval that will be produced in our circumstances if we obey his words. And then it says, the teaching of Jesus can come to us with astonishing discomfort. Will you unpack that further, what you meant by astonishing discomfort? That that doesn't sound too pleasant. Yeah, that's a great quote, isn't it? I mean, just a yeah. tremendous quote. Last November, we met with several hundred of our kind of spiritual um, directors at our church, everyone who leads spiritually from two- and three-year-olds all the way through our student ministry to all of our small group leaders, anyone who's leading spiritually to just say thank you at an appreciation dinner. And we gave them all uh, Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost First Highest. And going through that uh, this year has been phenomenal. You know, I've been able to mine so many great spiritual truths in my own life and even in my teaching um, from his truth. And I've been collecting things on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and the Book of of Matthew all all year long as we've looked forward um, to this series. Um, I'll also say this. I think... Um, I think this is the first time we've ever done the podcast in this room. Michelle, you and I have done about 150 of these. Michelle's one of the people on our production team. Alex, I don't think we've ever been in this room, right? Alex is our production technician. Um, as we, as we do the podcast and we're having to play like kind of leapfrog around the church because if you haven't been here lately, um, man, our, our church and our ground and our property, our building project is in full swing. Uh, and it seems like out every door and window, there is some really loud machine. So, uh, we found ourselves in a brand new room of our building today, just trying to find a place quiet enough to do this. But that's because of forward progress. Really, really exciting to see the mess we're making in order to move forward. And Ryan, I'd answer your question that way. It, it makes a mess in your life to move forward spiritually. Why, why is it uncomfortable to follow Jesus the way you follow Jesus? If we just look specifically at the Beatitudes and at the list that we've gone down, we're in week four now of the Beatitudes. We have to catch up with Marcellus on week two. Uh, but when I was a kindergartner in Bainbridge, Ohio, I used to walk back and forth to, to the little elementary school that I went to. I grew up in a little town that had a thousand people in it. And we would, you know, kind of walk to school. My my walk to school looked very much like a Christmas story, if you can remember Ralphie and his Red Rider BB gun. I mean, like that, that was a picture of my childhood growing up in southern Ohio. And there was this little, uh, this little kind of factory shop on the way to school that had a big glass window that every day on the way home from school, we'd knock at it and we'd run around the corner of the building. We thought we were hilarious. 
And we did that one day when it had been real cold, started icing over. And as I pounded on that window with my, you know, with my glove um, on my hand, we broke right through the window, broke the pane of glass. And then, man, we all scrambled like crazy because we knew we were going to get trouble. Um, when my parents eventually took me back to admit, I'm the one who did that. I'm, I'm the one who broke that. I, um, I am the one who, who caused that. It was extremely uncomfortable for me. But that's what it means to be poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit is to stop running away from Jesus because of the things in your life that are broken and instead to go back to Jesus with your hat in your hand, sometimes with your, your dad's hand on the collar of your shirt and to say, tell them you were the one who did this. Um, it's uncomfortable to come to Jesus and say, I am utterly and helplessly broken without you. But that is what it means. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. So for that reason, it's uncomfortable to follow the Beatitudes. You know, I, I, I hate social. I say I hate social media, but I really probably shouldn't say that because I haven't been on social media in almost 10 years. Almost 15 years ago, I got off social media. Um, when I, when I started the church, one of, one of the coaches who helped me start the church said, listen, the first three years of the church, you have to be on social media. So people just know you're not somewhat like weirdo. Like you don't show up in a new community, plan a church in hiding. You have to have some pictures of you and your family. So they know you like, you're not this like crazy person. So I went on for three years and literally three years to the day after I went on, I shut it off and thought, okay, now, now our church is established. Can't stand being on it. That's because when I was in student ministry and I was on it in student ministry, you and I did youth ministry together for 10 years. Anytime I saw one of the students in my student ministry post any activity, any statement, anything that I knew was them drifting from the heart of Jesus, it would break my heart. So I lived in this constant tension of being depressed, of being discouraged, of feeling like I had to step in, of feeling like I needed to call parents, of feeling like I needed to call kids. Um, it's uncomfortable to mourn over the sin of the world. It's heavy to mourn over the sin of the world. It can be downright depressing to mourn over the sin of the world. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comfortable. They'll be comforted. There's there's spiritual growth in that spirit of being broken over the brokenness of other people. So when you look at that beatitude, you understand why it can be so uncomfortable. Imagine Jesus' heart every day. He didn't need a social media feed to know the thoughts in the activities of every human being that he interacted with. Imagine his heart as he looked at hurting people, knowing what every one of them were thinking, not just posting their best days, but knowing every moment of their life. That way of Jesus is really, really uncomfortable. Um, my last year at Liberty University, I went to Liberty um, to play football. God called me into ministry there. Uh, for those of, for those that don't know how college sports work, I redshirted my freshman year, which means I could still play four years of football after my freshman year of college. Um, I backed up my, my freshman year, and then I was able to start as a sophomore and as a junior. Um, we weren't very good. We went less than 500. I was not a great player by any means, but I was the starter, starting quarterback on the football team. And instead of playing my senior year, I felt like God was saying, go, go into ministry. Um, yeah, I gave you this ability to get you to this point, to pay for your college, to get you in seminary, to let you meet your wife, um, you know, to, to make sure you had a good biblical foundation. But now I need you to surrender the things in life that I gifted you with, that you've loved doing for so long, that have been your identity for so long. I need you to surrender those now for the next step of your life. Um, that step of meekness was not easy. And for years, if not more than a decade afterwards, every fall, you know, I had to lament that 
like I man, I quit playing before I I, I had to. I had a, you know I had a team and I had a scholarship and I had a, an opportunity and 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 I felt like God said, "No, I need you to surrender that." Like I took all your junk, but even the good stuff I've given you, it's time to transition now. Um, it was hard to be meek in that season and surrender the strength. And then when we look at what we're looking at now, hungering and thirsting for righteousness and being persecuted for that same righteousness. I'm learning more and more in the year of 20 that to be really right with God sometimes makes you really wrong with man. And it's a loud, angry culture that comes after you when you're wrong with man. All of those things I listed are the way of Jesus, and all of those things bring spiritual discomfort at one time or another. So I think that that kind of, the quote sets the tone for the message, but my life, my life, your life, our lives, the listener's life, it's, if you've been following the way of Jesus long enough, that's, that's your experience too. And I think it's good not to feel threatened by the thought that, hey, Christianity's hard, but to be affirmed that, oh, it's hard for everyone. And the way of Jesus is supposed to be uncomfortable sometimes. I, so I think this is great confirmation that we're on the right path, not the wrong path spiritually as we walk through the way of Jesus, even in the things that cause astonishing discomfort. Yeah. Thanks for uh, unpacking that for us. It's true, and I know as the series goes on, we're going to continue to feel that and and hopefully the challenge to grow closer and look more like Jesus. Goal number one of your message was to understand the reality and the results of righteousness. What what have you found to be the results of righteousness, and, and how do we get there? Well, first, I think we need to remember what the Apostle Paul said. Because he said in Philippians chapter 3 that he had this tremendous desire um, to be righteous. But then he also made the declaration that it was impossible. So when we talk about the results of righteousness, I think the first result of what we learned about righteousness is we should have this tremendous desire. And at the same time, no, we can't accomplish it, which makes us turn in full surrender and pursuit of Jesus. Because one declaring that you cannot be righteous one it brings you freedom because you think it's this is not something i can strive for to attain it's something that i but it is something that i can receive and i also think when you see the fruits of righteousness not only is there a freedom in knowing i cannot attain righteousness but i can receive it that gives me a freedom knowing that all i have to do is accept it but then there is a when righteousness hits my life and I live in right standing with God, there is this blessedness, this markerios that allows me even in a world that's broken to feel the tremendous blessing of God and, and everything that God wants to do in my life. Um, we talked about the results of righteousness being two things. One, um, a desire that's rewarded rather than a destination. J- Jesus didn't say when you're righteous, um, you'll, you know, when you're righteous, you'll be filled with me. He said, if you just desire it, I'll fill you. It's the only beatitude that is a desire rather than a destination. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you, when you begin to think about being poor in spirit. And it's, no, blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when you're weak, when you're meek. Blessed are you when you think about being filled with right. It's like, wait a minute, that's God's honoring a desire here. So I think it's a, it's a longing in the right direction that I I want to be more like Jesus every day of my life. Um, it's unattainable, but it's pursuable, and that freedom will result in tremendous fruit in my life. So I think we said the results of righteousness, one, is that, that God honors a desire. What he said to David, it was, it was good that it was in your heart. 
it was good that it was in your heart. It's good that it's in your heart that you want to be more like Jesus. Good that it's in your heart that you want to be right with God. That'll help you connect to Jesus. And then we also said that it that there was, as a result of righteousness, there's going to be persecution. It's the only beatitude that comes with a warning. Um, Jesus didn't say if you're poor in spirit, you're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven and look out, this will come. He didn't say if you mourn, you'll be comforted, but look out. The only beatitude that came with a warning, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because you'll be filled. However, that same righteousness will result in your persecution. It's the only beatitude that comes um, with a warning. So, you know, when I think about the results of righteousness for me through the lens of the warning, um, I think about being in high school and being rejected by my friends at my public high school. Uh, you know, the kid who never got invited to the parties. Um, it was a, that was a, that was a persecution for righteousness. People knew because I had this desire to live right with God that they didn't want me around their stuff. Girls in high school, girls in college, um, when they found out that I wanted to be sexually pure, sexually absent, that I wanted to be right with God in areas of sexuality till marriage, who, who dumped me or who would cheat on me, who would go fill, fulfill desires in, in other ways because, because I wouldn't do that with them. Um, you know, when I look back on is persecution for righteousness real? Is standing for God and being right with God wrong in the eyes of the world? It's like, well, I kind of, I've kind of experienced that in my entire life. And now even in ministry, you know, having, having people who pursue Jesus to a point, but just aren't good with all of his standards that, you know, they, they leave fellowship with you. They, leave spiritual community with you. They leave your church eventually. They leave churches that teach like yours eventually. Um, I think the results of righteousness are a, a hunger for more, right? I, you know, I got my Diet Coke in front of us as as we go today. Somebody told me, you know, they put something in Diet Coke that makes you want more than more Diet Coke. And I said, like, that's ingenious and it works because every time I finish one, I'm like, I'll have another. Whatever that is, Jesus has the same thing in him. Because the more of Jesus you have, the more Jesus you want. So Jesus has whatever that thing is that when you have it, you want more of it, Jesus has that. Mm -hmm. Because when you have Jesus, you want more Jesus. So there is a longing in the right direction. And then there's persecution that you just need to understand, you need to work through, and you need to realize Jesus said, hey, everyone's everyone's endured it, especially him. The author of Hebrews would say, until they put you on a cross, you're not even close to experiencing what Jesus experienced. So just fix your eyes on Jesus, keep moving forward. That kind of leads into our next question. You talk about persecution. You mentioned Chris Pratt, the story about him from Twitter where he he was singled out more or less. You know, they were calling him a closed minded bigot, right? Because he because he proclaims to be a Christian, post Christian verses, that type of thing. And so as Christians, why why is it important to remember what Jesus teaches when we think of what happened to Chris Pratt? So I think that word blessed is really important here. That Greek word makarios that was used in Greek literature of the Greek gods. That although you live in the natural world, you have a supernatural element that allows you to be untouched on the inside by it. I, th- I think what we have to learn when we look at the Chris Pratt situation, and, and very specifically, you know, it wasn't that Chris Pratt was a Christian. It was that Chris Pratt and his wife, Catherine Schwarzenegger, um, have been photographed a couple times coming in and out, in and out of Hillsong Church um, in Los Angeles, Hillsong Church um, and Hillsong the Movement that accepts anyone and everyone into their church, but affirms God's teaching on biblical standards of sexuality. Um, they just came after him because they said, 
you know, what it means for him to be right in God's eyes is wrong in our eyes. So they just, you know, want to want to cancel him. They're trying to get him kicked out of the Avengers movie. I mean, he's a Star Lord for God's sake. I mean, like you can't <laughs> kick him out of the Avengers movies. He's like he's like the best one. Um, but it's just a picture of when you are right with God, it will make you wrong. It will make you wrong with man. But Jesus said, even when you are wrong with man, you can have this supernatural blessing in this natural world. You can be blessed, Marcarius. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus said, you're even blessed. You even have this supernatural ability in this natural world to be happy. That's what that word means, blessed, happy. You can be happy even while enduring persecution because you have me. And I think what Jesus did at the very I mean, at the very end of the first section of his public ministry is he just told his followers, if you're going to get it, like if you're going to get into follow, if you're going to get into this Jesus thing, be ready, be ready because you're going to be persecuted. And we talked on Sunday for those who weren't here. Um, there's always been a cost to following Jesus, but there's spiritual inflation in our world right now because we, you know, we talked about our grandparents, you know, paying a nickel for a candy bar and a dime for a bottle of coke you know 50 years ago um and we pay way more than that now it cost us more to be christians in america than it cost our grandparents right now because there's spiritual inflation the cost of following jesus the cost of standing right with god is going up it's increasing and you're going to pay more than generations in front of you at least in our country paid but if you want to be right with God, it's a, it's a cost you got to it's a cost you got to be willing to pay. And Jesus told us we would pay it. He didn't he didn't shy away from it. He didn't he didn't even. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount's all of Matthew five, six, and seven. This is at the very tail end of his very first point of public ministry. Just want you to know, if you're going to get in, this is what's going to look like. You're you're going to be persecuted, but in the midst of the persecution, you can still be happy because you can be satisfied in your soul with who I am and what I've done for your life, a supernatural element to your world, to your life, even in a natural world. I think I've heard you say in sermons before, does anyone in your workplace, does anyone in your sphere of influence even know you're a Christian? Right. And, and I think it's it's important not that we are banging a gong and throwing right. it in people's faces, but living in such a way where people can see Christ through us. And yep. that, that'll that bring persecution. We've that'll bring be, persecution. We've got to be ready for it. Yep. You talk about hunger and, and having an appetite uh, for the things of God. It's interesting you, you talk about this because I can remember being a, a newer Christian 20-plus years ago and having a, a hunger. I, I, I just really do. When I began to learn about Jesus, I wanted to learn more about him. I wanted to act more like Jesus. I wanted to look more like Jesus. And, and it caused me to make a lot of changes in my life. Why? Why have, why is this state of mind or this appetite so important for Christians to maintain? Well, so I think it goes back, believe it or not, to that grammar section that, um, you know, like I literally put on the notes, grammar, grammar, grammar. So, oh, no, who wants to talk about grammar? You have to in this case. Because these words, um, hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you look at the grammar that they're in in the Greek language, um, very particularly the word righteousness. It's not in the partitive genitive case. It's in the direct accusative case. And you say, what, what is the say difference? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so when, when you think of, when you think of the tense partitive genitive, um, it basically means partial or not the whole. It, it's, it's a case where everyone would know just by the way you're speaking, you mean a part, not the whole. 
So we gave the illustration. You would say, I'm hungering for bread. In the partitive genitive case, everyone would hear like, you're hungering for some bread. The direct accusative case would be like, I'm hungry for all the bread in the world. It's like, <laughs> no one's hungry for all the bread in the world. I'm thirsty. Do you understand in the partitive genitive case in the Greek, that means like, I want a drink of water. In the direct accusative case, it would be, I am thirsting for all the water on the planet. It's like, that's ridiculous. But the word righteousness is in the, is in the direct accusative case. So when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for all the righteousness there is. Hmm. Blessed are those who want to be just like Jesus. And I think the reason that's important is because the Pharisees had a partitive genitive righteousness, which is why Jesus kept saying, if if your righteousness doesn't surpass theirs, you're going to be in trouble. Why is it so important to continue to hunger and thirst? Because if we set up our own partial righteousness, where we start feeling really good about ourselves, I may not be like Jesus, but I promise I'm better than nine out of 10 other people. You're going to get self-righteous, self-righteous, cannot be filled with the righteousness of Jesus. You're going to disqualify yourself by looking at others rather than Jesus to try to figure out how righteous you are. So I I think what Jesus was saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for all the righteousness in the world that there is. He said, one, those people are always going to be hungry. Those people are always going to be thirsty. Those people are always going to get up every day and move in the right direction. Those people are always going to be filled with who I am. And they're going to have the blessing of being supernaturally blessed They're going to have this supernatural divinity in their spirit, even in years that are devastating like this one. There's going to be this supernatural joy, happiness, blessing in their life because they've not set up a partial righteousness that makes them better than most. They're looking, they're looking at Jesus righteousness and they realize they're still so far short of that and they're still pursuing that, um, with, with all of their heart. So I, I really do think it goes back to grammar because those pictures, um, you know, when you hear somebody say, man, I'm hungry for pizza, you don't think they mean all the pizza in the world. Yeah. And a lot of times when you hear people say, I'm hungry for righteousness, you might, you don't think all the righteousness that there is. You might think, oh, they want to read the Bible. They want to worship. They want to go to maybe a conference. Like, no, no, no. I'm hungry. I'm hungry to have all the righteousness that Jesus did. You look at a person like that and you say, you're always going to be hungry. Exactly. That's the spirit. You're always going to be hungry as you pursue Jesus. And the wisest and godliest people I know at church in my life are the ones that are realize they haven't arrived. They're, they're still hungry. Yeah, they're still they're hungry. Still they're hungry. still striving. Yes, they're humble. They yes. realize they're broken, and they yes. want and they want to be better. It's yes. the ones that think I've arrived. I don't need to strive anymore. Are often the ones that are the furthest away from righteousness. Right, and they're trouble because yeah. they're trying to they're trying to help people achieve their righteousness instead of Jesus' righteousness. And that ain't that ain't the standard. No, that's right. So there's some people, no doubt, listening who've kind of messed up in this area, messed up in the area of righteousness. They may be thinking, like, man, I'm I'm so far from that. Um, man, can God accept me? And and what do I need to do? What what advice would you have for maybe the person listening who's who's messed up, is intrigued by what you're saying, wants to be righteous? But what advice would you have for them? So to clarify your question, for the people listening who have messed up this righteousness thing, let's just clarify that. Everyone, Everyone listening <laughs> yeah. has messed up this righteousness thing if it's all the righteousness of Jesus. 
Every, everyone listening, yeah. including the two guys talking right now, yeah. have messed up this righteousness thing. What advice do I have for them? Um, I have none. However, Jesus has some really good advice. He would say, number one, be poor in spirit. Admit that. Come, come to him with a broken spirit and say, I have messed this up. Number two, he would say, mourn your sin. He would say, you'll be blessed if you mourn your sin. You'll be comforted for mourning your sin. Number three, he would say, surrender everything. And then number four, he would say, every day for the rest of your life, feed on the life and ministry of Jesus. See, I, I, don't, have, I, don't, have to, I don't have to be a great teacher if I can be a great learner. And Jesus has given us four things to deal with for those who feel like they've fallen short of the righteousness of Jesus. He's given us already the first four instructions. Be poor in spirit. You'd be blessed if you just admit you got a long way to go. Mourn your sin. You'll be comforted and blessed if you do that. Surrender everything. You'll be blessed if you do that. You'll, you'll restore your original relationship like Adam and Eve had in the garden of, of subduing and ruling the earth. And then number four, every day for the rest of your life, wake up and feed on the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, if you just read what Jesus says his way is, and then you look at your life, man, it goes like a hand in a glove. It, it, and if you just do it, you will, you will be markerios. You'll, you'll be blessed. You will, even though you live in a fallen, broken world, you will feel the supernatural spirit of God in you. You'll, you'll feel like you're in the in-between. I was born on earth, but I was born again into heaven, and I'm not there yet, but something is, I'm on my way. Something is different. The journey has started. Um, and we're only four weeks into nine of the series. I can't wait. Every week, the puzzle comes together just a little clearer in our head of what it means to live in the way of Jesus. And we're only, only at the beginning of Matthew. Right? Yeah. Like, there's so much yeah. more to learn. I'm, I'm excited to, to unpack this with you, not only on the podcast, but as I, as I listen on Sunday mornings. Thanks for uh, joining us again today, Pastor Christian. Always, always love the, the insight that you share, the deeper um, truths. We want to thank you for listening, and we'd love for you to to rate us, to give us uh, five stars. We'd love for you to share it uh, on social media or, or text a, text it to a friend and invite them to be a part of learning and growing and, and activating their faith. We'd love for you to come on a Sunday morning and, and uh, be a part of our services at 8, 9, 30, or 11. Of course, you can catch those online. And uh, if, we can, if we can do anything for you, we're here. Um, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.